Hey, guess what you're going to be doing Thursday? Eating. <laughs> you guys haven't planned that far. Hey, um, I'm just wanting to stop and just tell you guys, Heather and I just want to tell you how if we're so thankful we get to be your pastors. This may be corny, uh, but that's okay. We can be a little corny. But when I think of the things that I am so thankful for, moving to Lee County 24 years ago to uh, be the pastor at Cowboy Junction truly is one of the highlights of highlights of my life. And um, I'm truly blessed to have you guys in it. Heather and I feel the same way, and we love you very dearly. See, you lived through it. No one cried. It was awesome. But I'm truly thankful for you guys Thank you for letting Heather and I be your pastors. We love you very much. Tonight, I want you to, uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks. Go to Acts chapter 9. We want to welcome everybody on our online campus. Um, so glad you guys are joining us today. Let's give you an update real quick. Yesterday at the Juvenile Detention Center, they went from five young men to seven young men. How about that? Yes. Jeremiah is on the front row. Jeremiah, did you ever speak Spanish before this? Paquito? Nothing good. Nothing good? <laughs> yes. Not only in the last few weeks has Jeremiah learned how to speak better Spanish because some of the young men in uh, the Juvenile Detention Center just speak Spanish, but he has also been helping out at the racetrack and um, at, at the Juvenile Detention Center in worship, playing the guitar and singing uh, uh, worship songs in Espanol. And you tell me the Holy Spirit still doesn't work through tongues. Uh, it, it is so stinking cool. That's so stinking cool. So anyway, my recommendation, if you're in the room and you'd like to learn another language, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and it can help a whole lot. How about that? Ah, uh, yes, how, uh, yes. J uh, John chapter, uh, Acts chapter 9, today's a cool day. I'm going to read you something that's really cool. Um, we're going to start in Acts chapter 9, verse 1. I'm going to read it to you, but let me tell you where we're going to go with this. This is a special day. It's our end of the year offering, and at the end of today's message, we are going to take these envelopes that we've been praying over for the last week, and we've been believing God and praying that he would give us, our families, a number um, how do we make our checkout? How much do you want us to give for the last four weeks? And this isn't unusual. This is what we do at Cowboy Junction this time of year. And this is truly a miracle as we honor God with this offering that's coming together. This is no small thing. I really want you to understand that heaven is sitting on the edge waiting to see what we are going to do tonight. Um, there are angels prepped, looking, watching, because this is our honoring to God. Through, all throughout the year, we honor God by returning to him with the first 10% of everything that he gives us. But this is the one offering out of the year that is above our tithe that we set aside and say, God, I just want to honor you I want to praise you. I want to give above my tithe. I want to prepare my heart, my family's heart, for what are we going to do. This is not unusual. It's all throughout the Bible. And tonight's going to be a very special thing. Yesterday, something really cool happened. A young man uh, that, um, just a teenager, just a 16, 17-year-old kid, um, 
went and got just a wad of cash and gave it to his grandma and said, I can't make it to church today. I've got to go do something. And she said, Ty, it was just this wad of cash that he'd been setting aside for the end of the year offering. And the grandpa came in and said, what is that all about? And she said, this is his end of the year offering. And it was, it was a sizable amount. And grandpa was so touched by it, he went around the corner and wrote his check out and said, we'll put this in with it. All led by a teenage kid. You don't plan for stuff like that. In my mind, when I think of end of the year offering, it's always adults that, that have just been, you know, well, we can do this much this year and this much. It blows me away, the people that God uses, that the people that turn to God and say, what do you want me to do? And yesterday, my heart was touched so much by this teenager's faith. It, 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 it touched his grandpa's faith and his grandma as well. And um, I, I just want to share that with you. He's not here today, but um, I, get to, I get to tell you that story. But we're going to do this at the end of the, of, the, of the message today. Acts chapter 1. We're in a series called See. And we've been looking everywhere in the scripture where these words were used. And this is what we're about to read, one of the most significant parts in the New Testament history. This is Jesus' church beginning that is, if it wasn't for this, I don't know if we would know like we know today all that we know. And you're going to see what I'm talking about here in a minute. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciple. disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in, in, in Damascus so that he found, if he found any there who belonged to the way, and that was the word they used to describe Christians. They didn't say Christians back then. Back then they just said the way. So if they found anybody belonging to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus, this being Paul, on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord, said Saul. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go to the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Did you hear that? The men traveling with Paul heard the sound, but they didn't see anything. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. And for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a, a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called him in a vision saying, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he said. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming, and come and place your hands on him 
to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. Okay? And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call upon your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, I have heard many reports, oh, excuse me, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. We thank you for your word, your way, your truth, your life. There's something in this that I truly believe we, as your kids, as your people, need to see. We love you. We trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, I just read you the beginning of this amazing story of Saul to Paul. If you're new to this whole Jesus following thing, let me explain the significance of Paul the apostle. He wasn't always known as Paul. This is the story of Saul that we just read. And Jesus meets him and he has an encounter. And now we find that he's blind. He can't see, he doesn't know what to do, but he's been given an instruction that Ananias is going to pray for him and he's going to receive his sight back. And Ananias is nervous because he's thinking, God, do you, are you really sure about this? This could be jail time for me. It could even be death. But Ananias is obedient. Let me show you some things that happen next. Because whether you have heard this story a million times and you're like, this is really a great story, or you've never heard it, let me just remind you of some things. This is the beginning of the majority of the New Testament being written by this man named Paul. Paul had one of the most strategic parts to play in what we use as the body of Christ today to get wisdom on how we should do things in a church and operate and how we, could, how we work with people and how we, we, we get through tough times and how we put our faith in God and how we put our trust in God. And in all that we do, we keep the main thing the main thing. And Paul is excellent. And I, the majority of the things we teach from in the New Testament come from what Paul wrote. But let me show you the Saul story before he came Paul. It says this, verse 17. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, remember Saul? He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ananias follows through on exactly what God wanted him to do. So here we go. Immediately, everybody say immediately. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. Today's message is entitled Scales. Scales fell off of Paul's eyes. It could be a metaphor. It could be something they actually saw. But it was so immediate that it was like scales from his, from his, fell off his eyes. And he received his sight at once. And... Arose, and he arose and was baptized. This is pretty incredible. 
But from here we see that Saul doesn't stay in one place. He gets up, he has a great meal, and then he goes to the synagogue in Jerusalem. And what does he do? I mean, he's just been saved for three days. He's just had his sight for just three days. And he goes and preaches the gospel with no teaching, no training, no discipleship program, no church membership class. He goes and preaches to the people that he knows need to hear, and they didn't embrace it. And probably one of the biggest reasons why the followers of Saul, who he's now going to preach to, and the people in the synagogue who he knows don't embrace it because Saul trained them to not embrace them. So he's actually having to work through some of the bad things he put together. Who taught them how to kill Christians? Who taught them how to hunt them down? Saul did. Saul is the one who held the cloaks while Stephen was being stoned. This man is responsible for so much pain and agony and hurt. And so it wasn't just the Christians who were afraid of him. But now that he's preaching Jesus, check out what happens next. But now after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. Who? The Jews. The very people taught by Paul to hate this Jesus story, despise it. But their plot became known to Saul. And they watched the gates day and night to kill him. You sit there, I'll sit here. And if you see him coming, you give the word and we'll arrest him and we'll kill him. So the disciples took him by night and led him down through the wall in a large basket. Think about the size and the width of this. You would in those days probably have had, would have had a family member or a loved one imprisoned by Saul. And now he's going to church with you. And it's just been three days old. You, quite honestly, could have a family member or a loved one who has been killed because of Saul. And now he's a believer. I know that for a lot of us, this would not set very well. But the Holy Spirit is doing something to cause a lot of people to walk out of their blindness into the things that only God can show them. And it's the very same thing that we're here for. We've all got blind spots. Every one of us have spots that we just can't see, almost sometimes like scales. But this is amazing in that just after a few days after his salvation, they're saving his life. Wow. The story continues. Verse 26. And then Saul had, and when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. So there's a different group of disciples. Everybody's finding out at a different time. And so Paul, Saul, goes to Jerusalem. He tries to join up with the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. And the story continues, verse 27. But Barnabas, everybody say Barnabas. I don't think the word, the name Barnabas is used as enough, enough as it should be. I think if we had a third child, Barnabas Bean would be a fantastic name. <laughs> this guy's a hero. I'm, this guy is an absolute hero. Barney, Barney Bean. 
you would be like, I can't remember the two other kids' names, but Barney, that's my favorite. That's my favorite. Barnabas is a hero in this story. And I want you to stop and pause because you may want to go home and read chapter 9, read, read, read chapter 9. Acts is one of my most favorite books. And next time you take a long drive, I want you to listen to the book of Acts. It's fantastic. Don't forget to pause every now and then and think about what you just heard. And here, but Barnabas took him, Saul, and brought him to the apostles. He said, come back. They, they're going to listen to me. And he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he whistled, he called the disciples and he said, this story's real. He's not backing up. We had to rescue his life the other day, dropping him down in a basket with a rope because he was so bold in recanting everything he'd ever said before Jesus. Guys, this is real, and Barnabas saves the day. Once again, the reason why I wanted to show you all this, because there's a lot of blindness that is turning into sight. What has always amazed me about the Saul to Paul story is Saul actually thought he was doing God right by killing Christians. And our self-righteousness can do the very same thing. We think we're doing the right thing by our anger and our hatred and our rudeness and our ugliness and our killing. And Saul thought he was doing God a favor. But Saul recognized Jesus as Lord, but it was quickly. It was immediately. You know, it doesn't take much to turn a life around. It it really revolves around, do you see what he's showing you? And Saul had to be blinded. Saul preached Jesus immediately when he received his sight. And these scales, these scales have always fascinated, fascinated me. In fact, if you look at the portion of Scripture that it uses the phrase, and it was scales that fell off his eyes. It was like scales that fell off. It's not even necessary to even include them in this story. If you just took the scale part out, it would sound something like this. And Saul received his sight. But Luke felt like it was so important that he included this little description. And I think it's worth reading and rereading. Scales. The only thing that I know about scales, and it's not just fish and stuff like that. But remember Grandpa? He used to tell you stories. And one of the things he used to say about rattlesnakes was, you got to be careful, kiddo. It's dog days. And dog days was his way of saying this is where snakes, this is the time of year snakes shed their skin. And when a snake shed their skin, they don't just lose it immediately. It takes time, but their eyes turn scaly, grayish, because their skin, old skin, is covering up their eyelids. They can't see like they normally could. And Grandpa warned us because they strike at anything. When you're making the transition between your old life and your new life, you're shedding an old life. But it's in that season that you can be the most vulnerable. You could be the most confused. Saul had a Jesus encounter and still went through three days of the shedding of the old life story. And it wasn't until Ananias laid his hands on him, and he saw that he got it. 
We've got to be careful too that we in our shed, our old life shedding, that we just don't start striking at everything, but we're patient enough to stop and do what Paul did, Saul did. He prayed. It says they found him praying. Even though he was blind, even though this thing was whole, completely new, even though this whole Jesus story is now just, it, 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 it's just popping in his head, he's praying. Let me just stop and tell you, when you don't know what to do, it could be the old life leaving you. When you're following Jesus and it's just silent, it could be the transition between your old flesh and your new spirit. And now's not the time to quit, and now's not the time to throw in the towel, and now's not the time to start saying, well, I'm just going to do what I have to do, and get back out there, and now you start striking at everybody. Be still. Let the Holy Spirit bring this about at the right moment, at the right time, and he could just bring an Ananias into your life to say things that come straight from God, and that prayer will be different than any other prayer. You could be praying and nothing's happening, but Ananias comes along and he was filled with the Holy Spirit and received his sight. In the transition, just know that it's in these moments that really are the catalyst for the next thing that God does. In the story, we see that it is immediate, the when, the how, they just fell off his eyes. The what and the who were the eyes of Saul. Well, this is the, one of the most historical stories that lead us into the New Testament church. And it was a catalyst event. And this, his encounter with Jesus was directly related to his blindness. But this blindness, God was using to really change the heart of Saul. And Saul's new sight was also directly related to Jesus and the faith of his followers for Paul to, Saul to see again. You don't know the people that God is using around you to transition you from the old skin life to the new. Let people in. Let people in let me just say it in a different way don't let everybody in dear lord jesus no let the right people in who is your ananias we'll talk a little bit more about this to me the scales have always represented the separation in the moment between the old life and the born again moment but in this story, as many times as I've read it over and over and over and over again, I have always stopped and had to pause and ask myself a question. Whether it was based on the disciples going, you got to be kidding. Y'all let Saul into our secret location? Ananias, tell me you didn't do this. Or from the Saul story, they're going to kill me. I wouldn't blame them. If they all picked up stones, I'd never see it coming. I deserve it, but I got to put my hope in somewhere because it was Jesus who knocked me off my horse, and Ananias is the man. And whether you're looking at it from this way or this way, I've had to ask myself this question. Do I see the kingdom of God 
in this story. And the reality is I do. It's all over this story. But then I have to ask myself, but Ty Bean, are you willing to see the kingdom of God in your story on things that just don't make sense? I don't know how I would have reacted. You, you think of the person right now that you would just think this world would be a better place, better place for all Christians if they just died. I mean, honestly, if God just struck them dead right now, we all got a text going, so-and-so just died. Would, we all, would somebody in the church stand up and go, hallelujah? Nobody's laughing, but you're all laughing in a little bit of a way, huh? We can all think of that person, but who's going to be that person that goes, but what if when they say, no, truly, I need Jesus. Are we believing, are we hoping for the Saul's in our life to turn into the Paul's for the kingdom of God? Come on, we got to, if you, if you didn't know that. And we got to start calling their name out. We got to start praying for them. We got to start writing their names down on the Jesus board. We got to go out to that Jesus board. Every time you want to come to church, you ought to walk by that Jesus board and just do your 15 minute, 15 second, I'll give you 15 seconds of just laying your hand on the Jesus sign and saying, God, I just don't give up on that Saul. I don't, we're not going to give up on that Saul. And Father, just say, if this is my time, every Monday night I've been praying for him. 52 weeks out of the year, that'll get you to church. I've been praying for this guy. God, don't give up on him. Don't give up on him. Don't give up on him. You may know him, you may not know him. You may know her, you may not know her. But who is that Saul in your life that you would think to yourself, that would be the miracle? That would be the miracle. Because for me, I can be a lot about my kingdom and totally blind to God's kingdom. And in this story, it opens our eyes. I'm going to give you three things to think about today. Three things that I hope causes us to see. The reason I'm preaching this is because I truly think that God wants to do something in this end of the year offering that causes every one of us to step out of our kingdom mentality and into God's kingdom and even stepping into areas as we're generous with this end of the year offering. As far as stewards, we're gonna take this offering and then the church is gonna decide where should it go? How should we help people? What, what kingdom advancement should we do? And then we get to sit back and see God take a little bit and turn it into a whole lot of bit. Does that make sense? So here's my three points. And I really want you to lean into them. Number one, you know what we learned from the story we just read? You must be willing to take a chance on people. I'm not just talking about your daughter. I'm not talking about your sons. I'm talking about people that other people have given up on a long time ago. Maybe recently they messed up so bad that someone would say there's no rebounding from that. But God would say otherwise. Listen, you must believe in Jesus. We know that. They must believe in Jesus. But this kind of revelation of believing in people and taking a chance on people is really the only thing that believing in Jesus causes us to then turn into believe in people. Because Jesus believes in people. We can't get hard-hearted. Now's not the time to get scales over our heart and our eyes towards people. Next time, and ladies, let me just turn to you and tell you. This Thanksgiving, I want you to ask your husband to go to Walmart and do the shopping for you. Yeah, and guys, I want you to say yes, but here's why. It's not punishment, it's just simply 
There's a reason you don't like to go to Walmart, and it's people. And I want you to walk in Walmart, and before you walk in, I want you to be prayed up in the parking lot. I want Hosanna music playing on your radio. I, I, I want you to call me and say, okay, I'm in the Walmart parking lot. Just start praying, Pastor Ty, and I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. And here's the goal. The goal is not to get the shopping done because we know you're going to mess it up. She's going to have to go back. Okay? The reality is you need this trip, and here's why you need it, because you're not going to see anybody in that store that you recognize or know. You're not going to see one person in that store you recognize or know, but I want you to walk into that store already prayed up, already ready, filled with the Holy Spirit, ready to go. You got your prayer goggles on. You got your faith gear in. You're ready to, you're locked, cocked, you're ready to, go, ready to rock, and I want you to walk into Walmart, and I want you to go find everything you can on that list, but every person you see, I want you to start praying over. Because it's an amazing thing when you don't know them and you don't know their story and you, know what's, you don't know what's going on, but you have faith that God's not done with this community yet. And Walmart is an incredible place that either you're going to be mad you have to go to Walmart or you're going to see it as a golden opportunity to pray for people and to see chains break. And to see chains break. I'm telling you, folks, we got to get out of our comfort zones. We, we, we can't get hard-hearted. We can't... We can't we have got to lose this callousness. Because I think sometimes we go to church so many times that we just become so callous and the kingdom of God is advancing and I don't think God's people are advancing as fast as the kingdom of God wants to advance. The Walmart story is a very easy thing to do. But I don't know if a lot of people will do it. And the reason why is because we're just comfortable. And I'm, I'm telling you, there needs to be moments that we drive around our community and we just make laps and we just pray. And we just pray, God, where do you want me in this community? God, how can I bring a light, be a light in the darkness? And this is a moment that I think that I want to give you the permission as your pastor to start, start taking chances on people. People are already letting us down without giving them chances. So if you give them chances, why should it shock you? Some of y'all didn't like that statement I just made. But didn't someone take a chance on you? And if you don't think they did, you may want to ask them, was I a chance? Was I a chance? They were probably terrified to talk to you about Jesus. They were probably absolutely frightened to no end because the shot down factor the, the 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 really sharp tongue that you have who you are I don't know but they took a chance to share with you the greatest story the world's ever known and if it stops with you it would be a tragedy it's got to continue after you we have to share our faith. And we've got to learn and be willing to take a chance on people. Why? Because Jesus did. Only secure people give power to others. Wow. Only secure in their faith people say, I'm going to trust you to go do this. There are people that you just don't know if you can trust or not. Give them some reins. I think there's people in the room right now that haven't been saved long, but we're just giving you permission. 
Here's Ananias in the story, who we don't hear much about, but he's doing exactly what God called him to do. He's got questions. He's wondering, God, are you sure? But he followed through on it. Secure people give people a chance to do something that God's called them to do. You must be willing to take a chance on people. But the second one, empowered people, empower people. Yeah. You must do more than just believe in people. You've got to give them a chance to fulfill their potential. Throw them a rope. Did you see the story? Can you guys imagine how the disciples, it had to have crossed their mind. Saul's in the basket. The Jews want to kill him. They're lowering him down with a rope. It would be a great moment to just go, whoops. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But they don't. They have the ability to turn him over or save his life. And only secure people have the ability to toss somebody a rope. Someone once held your rope. It's okay to hold somebody else's rope. I know that before I became a pastor, people held my rope. And they empowered me to be empowered. They saw the potential and they gave me the freedom. They let me go try and I messed up and I rebounded. And I'd try again and I did good and messed up and rebounded. But people kept offering me a rope. As a senior pastor here at Cowboy Junction, can I just tell you, so many people in this room have given me a rope throughout the years to help me, to help my family. There were the lean years that you guys showed up with a beef, put it in our freezer. There were times that you guys snuck us money for Christmas. There were times during past, we didn't even, I didn't even know what month Pastor Appreciation Month was, and it was October. If y'all didn't know, you missed it. And, <laughs> and, 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 and you guys just found out through the internet, Facebook, hey, October's Pastor Appreciation Month, and they're thinking, you know, you guys were making us casseroles and bringing us gifts, and, and, and some of you helped us pay for some things that we couldn't afford. You encur- you've encouraged me. You've told me you're, you're doing a great job. Yesterday, I got so tongue-tied on my message, I wanted to go in the house and just quit. I was theologically incorrect yesterday because I was talking about that John wrote the book of Acts. I, t- I said it twice in the message, and this guy came up afterwards, he corrected me, and he goes, hey, it wasn't John who wrote the book of Acts, it was Luke, and I knew it was Luke. You guys have been so patient with me over the years. You've thrown me a rope, and it's made me a better person. But I think there's some people out there who aren't pastors or potential pastors. They're just people that deserve a rope to be tossed to them. Let me show you one of the coolest rope stories, okay, of helping someone see what only God can see. This happens to be one of Heather's favorite Old Testament stories, and it's about Elisha. Elisha has been given dreams by God about how the Syrian army is moving the army. And Elisha goes and tells the king of Israel, and the king takes the army of Israel and positions them just right, and the king of Syria comes up and says, oh my gosh, what are you guys doing here? And they take off running. 
That was how it is. In, in the Tybean version, the new Tybean version Bible, it's really great, okay? And Elisha would hear from God again. This is where they're going to be. This is what you do. And he would tell the king of Israel, and the king of Israel would move the armies, and the, the army would come up, the Syrian army would come up, and they would go, oh my gosh, what are you guys doing here? And they'd turn off and run off, okay? So the story says that the king, Syria, turns and says, which one of you guys is against us and keeps telling the king of Israel what to do? And this little voice spoke up and said, oh, great king, no one, no one. It's just the God that Elisha serves. He keeps telling him the plans. And he hears, God hears you talking in the middle of the night, putting your plans together, and he gives it to Elisha, which gives it to the king. It's the God they serve. And the king of Syria said, then let's knock out that guy, Elisha. So they put this whole army together, and this is what happens. Therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. Two men, Elisha and his little servant, are now surrounded by an incredible enemy army. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, and in my head it always goes like this. He wakes up. He gets his Hobbes new son. He looks on the front. He looks out and he goes, ah! And because there's this army that's coming after two guys. It was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said, alas, which is a cuss word for, anyway, my master, what shall we do? What would you do? Two against an army. It's that we sometimes we don't see what God sees. And he was afraid. And he said, alas. But look at what Elisha says. So he answered, Elisha, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. What? Now this is either the greatest, either the greatest or the dumbest thing you've ever heard in your life. It's the greatest thing if you see what Elisha sees, but it sounds stupid if you look outside and you go, oh no, that's a pretty bad thing. Has anybody else got a pretty bad thing going on in your life right now? I don't think you see what God sees, though. Anybody got an army coming against you? Things aren't looking good. I don't think you see what God sees. Because there could be more for you than against you. But empowered people empower people. So what does Elisha do? He says, he prayed, and he said, Lord, I pray that you open his eyes that he may see. There's just somebody who needs you to pray for them. There's just someone who needs you to tell them God's not done with their life yet. There's just someone that needs you to turn to the Lord and say, Lord, it's not about me today. It's about his eyes that he may see. I know I've been in his situation before. It's hard to see when you're in that situation. So, Lord, I pray for him that you open his eyes like you opened my eyes. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, 
The mountain was so full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. This is a description of the angel army God. God's angel armies that were standing behind these arrogant little guys who thought they had it made to get these two little guys. And they didn't realize 12 foot tall angels carrying flaming swords were standing right behind them. But Elisha knew. This story is more, it's more than a battle of armies. It's someone who got to see that God had this. Third thing I want to show you, and I'm done. All followers of Jesus face the risk of losing everything to see all that Jesus is doing. Go back to the story, the Saul to Paul story. Everybody in that story risked losing everything. It was scary for everyone. If you read it really fast, you get through it really quick, and you miss everything about it. You gotta think of the emotions and the heartbreak and the disappointment and the anger and the fury and the love and the confusion. I don't know a friendship that faces, I don't know a friendship that faces the risk of ending by someone sharing the gospel in that friendship. And it's maybe a reason why you've never shared your, your faith with your friends because they just may never talk to you again. I, I get it. But would you be willing to lose everything at the hope of gaining all the things that Jesus wants to do in them, in you? Faith steps. Um, it's, the fear, it's the fear of, am I doing it right? It's the yeah buts. It's the crucified of the flesh. But when you finally get through the fear, it's a major faith step. And it's the chance of losing everything, but the hope of seeing all the things that Jesus wants to do. In this offering tonight, it's terrifying. We think of the economy. We think of all the excuses. We think of all the things that would just be a great thing. If Ty Bean walked up and said, okay, guys, here's the deal. I just think we're just going to chill this year. Things are great. We're not going to do an offering. You guys have a great Christmas. But would we be doing what terrifies us? Or would we be stepping into the things that God goes, do you put your faith in man or you put your faith in me? Do you put your trust in the things that you have? Or do you remember the one who gave them to you? There's never been an offering in biblical history that God didn't use to expand his kingdom. But all throughout these offerings, there are people who lied about what they gave, who just were dishonest, who were wrapped in fear, right in the middle of something awesome that God's doing. Don't be terrified. Be encouraged. 
There is more for you than against you. God's not done with this. I think there's some things to remember today, and we're, we're all done. Things to remember. Number one, I want to see the kingdom of God. I want to see it. I have determined that in my life, in our family, Heather and I talk about it all the time, we are going to see the goodness of God. We are going to stay true. God has brought us this far. He's going to continue to move us forward. I want to be a part of God's kingdom. May my kingdom die. May his kingdom come. And that's a great thing to think about. Something else we've learned today, I must be willing to take a chance on people. I must be willing to take a chance on my faith in my church, in my community, it's okay. Another thing we learned today, there are more for us than against us. Don't forget that. Even at the risk of losing everything to see Jesus. So, Cowboy Junction, could I have you please stand to your feet we're going to sing a worship song. And during this worship song, we're going to set some buckets out. We've done this for many years now. And this offering is our extension of faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That his kingdom would come and that his will would be done to do the things that he wants to do and we're saying lord start with this family over the years we've seen some amazing things take place that we were just able to go further and farther through these offerings through our online campus and the cameras we've got to buy and the better internet service we've got to get and all the cool things and yes last year we put together the, the finances to pay cash for the outdoor youth facility, not to mention the Lee County Beef Program that's still feeding thousands of families with beef in our community, and the organizations in our community that we're now able to go to with PADAP and, and, and different organizations to help them continue and also expand what they do for good in our community. But I want you to do something. Take your envelope out, take your check out, and I want you to hold it up. And right now, I want to pray a blessing over it. You ready? Father God, today, this takes great courage. And I know on the edge of heaven right now, they are all watching. You've done everything you can, God. And now, I pray that we wow heaven. I pray that heaven would rejoice as we align our giving and our worshiping up in this one-time offering, the one thing we do every year so that we can see your kingdom now do some things that we've just always wanted to do. If we add this to years and years and years and years of us doing this, we will look back over the years and we will say, oh my gosh, remember when? We just wanted to do this and then we were able to do it and look how far we've come since then. Look how much the kingdom has grown since then. So Lord, today, you provide the fire and we'll provide the sacrifice. 
today, Heavenly Father, I pray that we would give out of the gratitude that we have towards you. And today, Jesus, I pray over every one of these offerings that are given. I pray that you would bless them back a hundredfold. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would open doors that no man can open and close the doors that no man can close. Today, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would lead them and guide them, lead their children to exactly where they're supposed to be. And I pray for generations and generations, the seed of this faith would just be the, the spark for generations to come that only just add to this amazing day. Bless them, use them. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. During this offering, we're gonna sing. And as soon as uh, you're ready, just get out of your seats right now and come up here and come on. Let's honor God with our end of the year offering.